0: 1 John 4, and we're going to continue our series talking about love like Jesus this morning. We're going to turn to 1 John 4. How many enjoyed the weather yesterday? It's a trick, though. You know it's a trick. Southern Indiana is is mean like that. It just tricks you. 70 degrees, and it's going to jump back down to freezing cold weather. But we pray that spring's coming. In Jesus' name, we're a faith church pray that spring is coming soon, and we can see the sunlight again. First John 4, in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not know God does not love, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us. And sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now let's look down at verse 17, same chapter. It says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear... Where there's fear, it's torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God who he has not seen? Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Can I get amen this morning? Let's look over at the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John. You're just in 1 John. Let's look at the Gospel of John. John 13, John 13. You guys ready today? Excited? Responsive? Alive? Alive? John 13 in verse 34. John 13, 34, and this is red letter, so Jesus himself is speaking it. So very important. In verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. But verse 35 says, But this all will, all, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, notice, if you have love for one another. Amen? So if you're taking notes today, the time of my message is, it's family. It's family. Look at your neighbor say, it's family. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's family. It's family. So today we're going to continue our series about love. Talking about love like Jesus, now last week we talked about God Loves Me, and if you weren't here for that, or you want to listen to it again, it's already on the website, you can listen to it for free, what a deal. Um, Anytime you want to, you can go, and we try to put those messages up on Monday, so you don't even have to wait that long, you can get messages really quick. So if you didn't hear that message, we talked about God Loves Me last week, and the reason we talked about God Loves Me last week is because that's the foundation for anything else we talk about. If we don't have right that God loves us first, we won't have any of the rest of the loves in our life right. We won't be able to express the right love to anybody else in our life, whether that's our family or our friends or our husband and wife or our children, anybody on the planet. If we don't know that God loves us first, we're not going to be able to love people well. And so that's why we need to establish the fact we talked about last week that God loves me. You have to have not just head knowledge of that, you have to have heart knowledge of that. It's not enough that we know Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We need to know it in our heart and by revelation. Now we talked about last week that John, beyond any other disciple, knew that Jesus loved him. And it's interesting, we're talking out of the books that John wrote when we're talking about love. The Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are the... Books that the apostle John wrote. And he was known as the apostle of love. And it was not that Jesus loved John any more than the rest of the disciples. But John had revelation of the love of Jesus more than any of the rest of the disciples. So that's why he experienced things that other disciples didn't experience. He felt things that other disciples didn't feel. He lived a longer life than other disciples lived. He outlasted the rest of the people around him because he had revelation that God loves me. And if God's going to do anything for anybody, he's going to do it for me. And if he's going to heal anybody, he's going to heal me. And if he's going to deliver anybody, he's going to deliver me. And if he's going to do anything for anybody on the planet, he's got to do it for the person he loves, and that's me. And that's not prideful to say that. That's not arrogant to say that. That's being a scriptural person. And you know what? When you live like that and believe like that, it makes God happy that somebody is believing His Word. It makes God excited that somebody's actually taking Him at His Word and saying, God, I believe you love me and you're going to do it for me because I'm the disciple that you love. Are you here this morning so far? And so we need to understand that first of all, God loves me first. Now, When we're talking about this today, we're going to kind of take the next step from God loves me. Because if you read the Bible, it never stops at God loves you. It talks about, yeah, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But also, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And there's so many times in, especially the New Testament, that it doesn't just say you need to love God. It says you need to love one another. You need to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to love the family of God. It's not enough that we just have a relationship with God and it's just us and God. No, it doesn't work like that. We live on a planet with people, and we got to deal with people. Hello, somebody. And you have a family, so you got to deal with people. And it's not enough that we love God, but we have to love one another. Now, don't tune me out because I already—I've already thought about this message before you you guys even got here today and I know what you're thinking let me tell you what you're thinking would you like to know because anytime somebody talks about love at church there's a grunt that happens internally from everybody there's a okay we're gonna talk about love again gotta work on my love walk which that attitude stinks by the way If we could talk about that, that attitude kind of stinks. Um, And if we go into messages thinking, great, i got to work on my love walk, then you're not going to get anything about what we say today. Even if it's the scriptures, even if God is trying to move in your life, when we come to messages especially about love, people have a bad attitude. And I'm talking to Christians, not non-Christians. And they say things like this, well, I guess I'm going to have to work on my love walk because we're preaching about this. Like this is the only time in the year when we talk about love that you're actually supposed to love people. No, this is supposed to be a lifestyle. Eventually, we're going to have to get revelation on this and stop putting it off and like, yeah, when they talk about love again, I'm going to work on that. And so a lot of us come into this message with, you know, i got to work on my love. i got to walk in love. Great. i got to be a Christian. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. i got to live like Jesus, which is the most fulfilling life, which is the most joy-filled life. And so let's settle this, that you're going to see love in a new perspective as we talk about this today and next week. And not just take this attitude. Ah. Uh, Walking in love, I've heard it before, tried it, doesn't work. (laughs) Got to get my love walk right, great. Another message on love. Now, you guys didn't say that, right? It was was people that go to a different church said that. Different church said that. I know, I've been there, I've said that myself. Not out loud, but internally you say that when you hear messages about love. Because you're thinking about the person you don't want to love. When we're talking about love. But specifically today, I want to talk about love as it pertains to your fellow bro- brothers and sisters in Christ. Love as it pertains to the family of God. Now, next week, we want to focus more on your need to love the world, which you do. You need to love the world, and you need to love people in the world, and you need to love those who are outside of the kingdom of God. That's important. That's important. But you also need to love the family of God. And you need to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's what we want to talk about today. And we're going to show you that, you know what, there is a difference. And we need to deal with this first before we ever start working on our love for the world. Because if we don't love each other, where'd you guys go? Where'd you guys go today? You still here? If you don't love each other, then nobody in the world wants the love that you have. If we can't get along in the church, if we can't love each other in the church, then let's never talk about loving the world. we got to deal with this first. And God says you need to deal with that first because you can't love the world properly if you're mean to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can't love the world right if you have Unforgiveness towards somebody who goes to your own church. You know, we can't be a church full of love reaching the world if we have an attitude towards Northside and Graceland and Southeast Christian and, and the Methodist Church down the road and the Church of Christ down the road and the other Pentecostal church down the road. We can't love the world if we have an attitude towards them. Last time I checked, we're all on the same team. Are we not? And beyond a team, we're all in the same family, for goodness sakes. Not just a team. So if we're going to love anybody, we need to love the family of God. And that doesn't just mean church on the rock. That means the entire family of God. In New Albany, in Indiana, in the United States, and around the world, we need to love the family of God. Just because they're different than us doesn't mean they're wrong. And it doesn't mean we're right. And so that's what we want to talk about today. I can tell you're really excited about it. You're really pumped up about it. Because we need to deal with our love towards each other first before we go into I'm going to reach the world and I'm going to touch this person and I'm going to... No, you need to love the family of God first. And then let God work on your love for the world. And we're going to talk about that next week, okay? You still here? So... Let's turn over to First John again. First John 4. You got me going. You got me a little excited so far. So I want to teach you about a couple things real quick before we go any further when it has to do with love. Now, last week we talked about That there is different kinds of love in the Bible. Now, the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic languages are far more advanced than American English. American English is dumb to people who wrote the Bible. Let's just be honest. And probably Midwest English is really dumb compared to people that wrote the Bible. Because Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic are really advanced languages. And so they don't just have one word for love. The Greek had four words for love, and they mean different things. And so we need to talk about those before we go a little bit further. So you've got to learn something in church today. So there's four different types of love mentioned in the Bible. Now, last week we talked about agape, which agape, that's the Greek word, It is the God kind of love, which that is what we're going to focus on because not only is that the love that God loves us with, It's the love that God has put in our heart now that we can love others with. So the God kind of love, that's agape. And there's other types of love mentioned in the Bible. So we're going to talk about those real quick. This is just so you can sound intelligent when you're talking to your friends at work about Greek words, which I know you do all the time, right? (laughs) Greek words come up all the time. So I, I got my team of researchers together, a.k.a. Bruce and Brother Sean. Those are my, that's my research team. So before I even shared this message, now we were in the office being productive back there, right? Do you think me and Bruce were being productive in the back office? You have faith that that was happening? So whatever we were talking about, we were probably watching uh, old Corey YouTube videos, which (laughs) happens a lot. It's like, man, that was funny. Why did we do that? I look dumb. Okay. Um, We were watching old YouTube videos, but several weeks ago, we were talking about love, and I was shocked. I've been in church 28 years of my life, and I always thought there were three types of love in the Bible, not four. And so, Bruce, my assistant, says, didn't you ever listen to Brother Sean in class? There's four types of love in the Bible. I was like, no, there's not. There's three. I only remember... Three ever. And he goes, No, there's four types of love. Unless you got taught by Brother Sean, you probably didn't know there was four either. I knew there was three. And then he said, No, there's four. So I said, Okay, what is it? And he said the word, and so we started talking about it, and it kind of it's got a funny name to it. And so we started talking about it, and I was like, I have never heard that before. I only thought there was three. And he said, No, there's four. And so he was telling me about it, and I was like, sure, there's four. Okay, let me go to my Bible software stuff and check it out. There is four words. And then I stepped it up even more with my research team. You like this, my research team. I said, Brother Sean, I'm finding all these different types of love in the Bible, and all the definitions that I'm getting are way over anybody's head, like, If I read the definitions of the four types of love that I got off a Bible software stuff I have. All of us in here would say, I don't get it. This is just people that are just so educated that it makes no sense to somebody who's just living every day. And I'm like, all four of these definitions are horrible because they don't make any sense to just your everyday person. I mean, they're using just language that's so far above us. So I said, Brother Sean, do you have any notes on this? So you know what I did? I took it to super church on a Sunday morning. I said, Brother Sean, where's your notes on the four types of love? And he brought me some Mark Harper super church from Kids on the Rock so we could have some good definitions that make sense to somebody who lives in the Midwest and doesn't have four PhDs behind their name. So your pastor is so smart, he's going to use super church this morning. Because it makes sense. It works. It works for him. I didn't remember it. I only thought there was three. Okay, so there's four types of love. Now, the first is agape. Everybody say agape. It's the God kind of love. It's unconditional. It's unearned. Now, the next type of love is called phileo. Phileo. Now that is where they get the word Philadelphia from. Because it's talking about a friendship or a brotherly love. That's why Philadelphia is known as a city of brotherly love. Because it comes from the word phileo, which is a friendship or a brotherly love towards one another. It's not bad. It's just a friendship. Now here's the one that I didn't know existed. It's called Storge. That is the title of the third one. And that word is more of a more intimate term used for the affection you have towards your family. So it's kind of taken a step beyond just a friendship, brotherly love, your best friends, to this is the way you feel about your actual family. Storge, it is a love that is an affection Towards the closest people to you. Now the last one. Is eros. Which is more of a sexual love. And it's based off of attraction. So. There is four types of love. Mentioned in the Bible. Now we know that even 2016. That these four loves are alive and well. Because people. People. Know little about agape love. That's why we're talking about it. And there's a lot of people who know about phileo, which is a friendship, brotherly love. There's a lot of people who know about storge, which is a just your affection towards like your family, people close to you, your children. But then there's eros, which is an attraction to the opposite sex that is based off of sexual things and based off of attraction. So, With these other loves, they all change. They all can be different. They all can be moved. In all the ones we listed here, these kinds of loves can turn into hate real quick. Because they're not the God kind of love. And we know especially with Eros, which that's an attraction to somebody of the opposite sex, sexual love. And attraction love, if you don't think that person is attractive anymore, then you fell out of love. Because it's strictly based off emotions and your attraction to somebody else. And we all know situations like that. How can somebody be madly in love with somebody one day and want to hate them and hate them and want to kill them the next day? How does that happen? Because it's all based off your emotions and your feelings and your hormones. And whatever you feel that day. That's what these other loves are based off of. So there's agape, there's phileo, there's storge, and there's eros. But we want to talk about agape again because that is the God kind of love. And that is the highest kind of love. And that is the love that God has towards us. Now let's jump back to John 13. You still here? It's all right if I teach a little bit on a Sunday morning. John 13. So we realize that God loves us, but when we become a child of God, which if you accepted Jesus into your heart, the Spirit of God has come on the inside of you and made you a child of God. Now when the Spirit of God came, He brought the love of God on the inside of you. So you don't just have these natural loves like I talked about, like phileo or storge or... Eros, you have the agape, God kind of love, on the inside of you right now. If you are saved, you have the God kind of love, which is unconditional, unearned, on the inside of you right now, where you can love anybody. And so that kind of love is the love that's in our heart. And we see here, I want to talk specifically about the love you have for fellow believers, the family of God. Now, when you get saved, we know that God is our Father, and we are His children, but we have brothers and sisters, and a lot of them. Some people say that there's 2.2 billion believers on the planet right now, so you have that many brothers and sisters on the planet right now. 2.2 billion people are your brothers and sisters, and they are a part of the kingdom of God. And so we want to talk about your love towards these people, the closest people to us. Now, John 13, let's read this. John 13, verse 34, he's talking about love to his disciples. And Jesus says in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Notice this, as I have loved you, that you also would love one another. Notice, as God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. So God didn't just say you need to love people. He's given you an example. God says as I love you, that unconditional, unearned love towards you, you need to love others with that same kind of love. And you can. Everybody say I can. I can. And the reason you can is because you have the love of God on the inside of you right now. Now, as I'm talking, some of you are saying, no, I don't. No, it's in there, you just don't feel it right now. <laughs> it's in there, maybe you just haven't used it in a really long time. But if you're saved, the love of God is in you, that God kind of love. In John thirteen thirty-five, go, he goes on and says, By this, notice, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is a really powerful verse. I don't know if you just heard what I just said. The only reason that the world outside of here will know that we are followers of Jesus is our love for each other. So he's saying, they won't know you're my disciples if you shop at a Christian bookstore. They won't know you're my disciples if you have a corny bumper sticker on the back of your vehicle. They won't know you're my disciples even if you just go to church. In the world, they'll only know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And notice he doesn't even say love for me, love for one another, because they can't see your love for God. They only can see your love for one another. Are you here this morning? And that's how God has set it up that we can't just say we love God and then we treat each other poorly. Because they go together. You can't separate one from another. And the clearest reflection of your love for God is your love for others. The clearest reflection of your love for God is your love for others. If you treat people mean and harsh and unkind and you're unforgiving and you don't walk in love with others, you are a liar. That's what the Bible says. If you say you love God after that, because he says you can't be right with me and wrong with each other. It doesn't work like that. You can't say you love me and then you don't love each other. No, it goes together. If you're right with God, you'll be right with one another. If you know you've been forgiven by God, you'll forgive one another. If you know that God loves you and you love him, you'll love one another. Are you here this morning? And so we can't separate the two. A lot of times we want to separate the two. But let's all be honest in here. It's easy to love God back. He loves us perfectly. We have a God who's given us everything, who loves us unconditionally, unearned, perfectly, has given us everything In our life right now, but in eternal life, God has given us all these things. So it's really easy to love God. It's people. That's where the issue is. Because people aren't God. I don't know if you realize that. They're not perfect. They're not always nice. They're not always kind. They're not God. And you shouldn't expect them to be. And so... We can't just say, I got it. Me and God, I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. Me and God, we love each other. God says through the apostle John, no, if you really love me and I love you, you're going to love one another. You're going to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to love the family of God because they go together. You hear this morning. I knew you guys would be excited about this message. I just felt this. Ahead of time, I was like, when I talk about love, I know I'm literally going to be shouted down where I have to just walk out the door because it's so loud in here. I knew it ahead of time. I just felt that in my spirit because you love me, right? That's why you're shouting me down. So the greatest way that people will know that we belong to God is not that we go to church. It's not that we read our Bible. It's not that we listen to Christian radio. And why would you? Every time I say that, there's many of you that get offended at that comment. But it's still true. It's still true. And I would say that I know a couple things about music. And you need help if you listen to Christian radio. Okay. All right. (laughs) That's why we don't play that here. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. I'm going to get back. I love you. You love me, right? We love each other. Even though you listen to that, I still love you with the love of God. I think you need deliverance. But I love you with the love of God. So, the greatest way people will know we belong to God is not our love for God, our love for each other. Jesus said the two greatest commandments is love for God, but also love for one another. We like the first one. The first one's easy. Let's just all be honest in here. The first one is so easy. Because God loves us perfectly, it's like, yeah, that's a no brainer. Yeah, I love God. It's just people, they're the issue. Because people aren't perfect, and their love isn't perfect. And even fellow believers, which what we're talking about today is fellow believers, even believers that have the love of God in them oftentimes don't treat each other right. So we need to make a decision that we're going to love one another. Let's look over at Colossians 3. You guys still here? Colossians 3. You guys are getting more excited as we go on. I feel that. Yeah. Colossians 3. So, before we read that, in 1 John 3, it says something similar. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life when we love one another. We know Break it down here. We know that we're saved when we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We know that we're saved. How do you know you're saved? That's the number one way that you have love for one another. That before you got saved, you didn't have that kind of love. You didn't have that kind of affection towards not just God, but one another. And when you get saved... There is a supernatural love that comes on the inside of you that you love other people that follow God. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. And it says, that is how we know. Notice how we got saved. How we pass from death to life is when we love one another. That's how you know. Because you start loving things that you used to not love before you got saved. You start loving the church. You start loving your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You start loving the word of God. You start loving the spirit of God. You start loving worship. You start loving being around the family of God. Why? Because you pass from death to life. And when you get saved, God doesn't just give you a a new start. He gives you new nature. He gives you a new uh, desires. He gives you new love that is different from when you were an unbeliever. So not only does he change you and make you a new person, he gives you new desires and a new nature that you didn't have before. You didn't care about church before. You didn't care about the Bible before. You didn't care about fellow brothers and sisters in Christ before. But you do now. Why? Because the love of God has been put in your heart. And it says we know we pass from death to life when we love one another. That's the main way. We know that we have been saved. is the love we have for each other. Before we read Colossians 3, we need to um, mention this before we go any further, that a lot of times in our lives, it's easier to love outsiders than insiders. All of you know in here, and I'm not saying you do it on purpose, but if anybody's going to get treated wrongly in your life it's usually your family and your friends are you here this morning (laughs) here's the reasoning behind that you're trying to impress people that are out there so you're on your best behavior (laughs) I love you the love of God God bless you and then you go home and you don't act anything like that now why do we do that I'm not just saying you, I'm saying me too. Why did we do that? Why is it? That's why I'm talking about this first. I'm not talking about love of the world t- today. I'm talking about the next week. Why is it easier to love outsiders? Because you don't know them. You have no relationship with them. So of course it's easy to love somebody you don't know. They never did anything wrong to you. And so people in church want to talk about love for God and love for the world, but nobody wants to talk about love for each other but that's where we live. And that's where it needs to be the most. And it's, he says right here in the Word of God, let's look at Colossians 3 and 13. He says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. And so we realize that a lot of times, If we're honest here, the people we treat the worst are our family and friends. Why? Because they know us. They'll forgive us. It shouldn't be that way. Now, you don't need to reverse that and just love people that are close to you and forget about the world. But I'm making a point here because we need to love one another. We need to love the family of God. And we can. But a lot of times, this is what happens, and this is why we read this scripture. A lot of times, all of us in here, including myself, we go hardest on the people we know. We judge the people closest to us harshly in the family of God. Why? Because they know better. We make excuses for people out there so we, we see the love of God. Am I getting in, in your makeup right now, this morning? Am I? You're getting a little bit quieter. So we make excuses for them because they don't know better. But then a lot of times, you know it to be true. Just look at Facebook, for goodness sakes. The harshest comments are from other believers, not people in the world. The most judgmental people on social media are always Christians. And it's usually not against worldly people. It's other Christians. It shouldn't be that way. And you know what the world is doing? Laughing. Because what did Jesus say? They'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And the world is saying, hold on. And they want me to be a part of this messed up thing? They don't even like each other. They are the harshest on one another. I'm telling the truth this morning, whether you see it or not. And so why are we so hard on one another? Because we always, well, they know better. You've known better. Oh, 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 well, don't say that. Yeah, but this person knows better, so I need to tell him how it is. You've known better, and you didn't do it. So how would you want somebody to treat you in that situation? I think the answer to the question is you would want love from somebody else. But that's what we do. The people closest to us, we judge them harshly. We're unkind with them. We're nice to the world because we have excuses for them. And we don't know them. But the people closest to them, to us, we don't show mercy. We don't show kindness to. We don't show compassion when they mess up. Even though we mess up, it's just different than them. Just because it's not the same sin as they messed up in, it's still sin. So how would you want to be treated? And the world is laughing the whole time. Saying, you guys are telling me I need to be a part of this. This will change my life. It's a joke. It's It's okay if I'm honest on a Sunday morning, right? So the people we know best, a lot of times we treat them the most harshly. We judge them. But Colossians 3 and 13, I read it from the New King James, but... In the New Living, it says this. Now listen to this. This is why I wanted to read this. Colossians 3.13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. That's the New Living translation. Colossians 3.13. In the New King James, it says, "The bear with one another and forgive one another. But the New Living says, make allowance for each other's faults. He's talking to a church, not people outside the church. So all of us in here, If we're going to have love for one another, we're going to have to make allowance for each other's faults. We're going to have to be the first person that shows grace and mercy and kindness and compassion towards somebody. And notice we make allowance for each other's faults, not point them out. Not judge people harshly. That's how we love one another. How do you love one another practically? In a church setting, you make allowance for each other's faults. Now, why would you do that? Because you have faults. How would you want somebody to treat your faults? The love of God is not into pointing out what's wrong with everybody else. The love of God in your heart is not always you're the big corrector. You're the big judger. I can't wait till somebody messes up so I can tell them what they did wrong. They already know, especially if they're part of the family of God. That's what I'm talking about today. And we need to make allowance for each other's faults because that's what the love of God will do. Make allowance for each other's faults because that is what God has done for us. God didn't say, all right, you messed up, it's over, forget it. Church people do that all the time. Yeah, I knew you guys would just shout shout me down on that one. Let's be honest here. When you mess up, God never says, all right, you're done, forget it. Does he? But a lot of times that we do that with fellow believers. If they mess up one time, all right, you're out of the church, dude. Bye. You messed up. Can we talk this way on Sunday morning? we got to make allowance for each other's faults. Now, I know if something is life-threatening, you need to say something to somebody. But a lot of times, the stuff that we're talking about, we're nitpicking one another. We're picking out the most minor faults and problems with one another. I'm talking about fellow believers. When you need to make allowance for one another. Like it says in the Gospels, you have a shearwood forest in your eye. And you're trying to pluck a little piece of wood out of somebody else's eye. You have Hoosier National Forestry in your eyeball. And you're trying to talk to somebody about a little piece of wood. we got to have love for one another. Especially in our homes. Especially in the house of God. Because that's the family of God. If anybody's going to have your back, it should be the family of God. It should be your brothers and sisters in Christ. They shouldn't be the first person who turns on you when something happens in your life. They should be the first person to come try to restore you and heal you and get behind you. I don't care what you did. They should be the first person who comes to your defense because you're making allowance for each other's faults because the love of God's in you. And notice, when the world sees that, then they'll want it. But if we're going to keep roasting up each other on social media, Christian to Christian. Then the world's going to say, I don't want it. Just think about this. When people come in our church, how do they, how do they uh, see us when we talk to one another? Do they think, man, those people are rude to one another. They're kind of jerks, really. Really? Or are they thinking, man, these people love each other. Man, these people are for each other. That's what they should be thinking. Man, these people got each other's backs because they love one another and they love the family of God. And you know what? The family of God even supersedes your natural family. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did I say that in the Midwest? The love of God and the family of God even supersedes your natural family. You shouldn't treat your natural family with so much love and then treat the family of God harshly. Because the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Spirit of God. We need to make allowance for each other's faults because the love of God is in us. Now let's look back over at first, John, and we're going to close. You guys get something this morning? Well, we changed it from Real Talk Thursday to Real Talk Sunday. How was that? We just went ahead and did it. First John and you know when I preach messages like this, why do a lot of us feel uncomfortable in here? It's because the Spirit of God is convicting us that too could have been on Facebook also. I forgive everybody who wrote to me on facebook i I forgive you right now that didn't happen but Why do we feel uncomfortable? It's conviction from the Spirit of God. And He's not convicting you so you'll just feel bad about it and not change. The Spirit of God comes and convicts you about something because He knows that you're better than the way you're living right now. You have more in you, the love of God, than you're using right now. And He's coming, and so why does it it get tense and serious when people talk about stuff like this? It's conviction from the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is trying to get us to change, trying to get us to move. And our flesh and our mind a lot of times says, I don't want to. So when we hear messages like this, it gets a little uncomfortable. People say, I don't like people to talk to me this way. Don't fight that. That's the Spirit of God trying to change things in your life. That's the conviction of God. That you feel that uncomfortable feeling because you know something needs to change. And you can because the Spirit of God lives on the inside you to help you change. And let's go beyond that. It's not even your love anyways. It's the Spirit of God giving you the love of God to love other people with. So when we preach stuff like this, don't run from messages like this. Run to messages like this. Because that means God is trying to change things in your life for the better. So when it gets a little uncomfortable, a little tense, it's because the Spirit of God is trying to change something. You know, if you never heard a message that made you feel that way, you need to go to a new church. Come on, let's give us a... Everybody give a hoss here for a second. Get your ear like this and open it up. If you never hear a message that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, you need to go to a new church. Because the Spirit of God is always going to be challenging you Because he knows that there's so much in you. God knows that. So let's read this in 1 John 4, verse 20. It says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21, in this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Let's think about this. The cross of Jesus, it has restored our relationship with God. So, you got a cross. It's like this this when God loved us and came for us and restored us he restored our relationship with him vertically but he also restored our relationship with each other horizontally and it's not one without the other the cross says you got to be right with God but you got to be right with each other God didn't come and just restore his relationship with you and him. He restored your relationship with mankind. That now you're not against one another. You love one another. Because the love of God's in your heart. And this is what it's saying in 1 John. You can't say I'm right with God vertically. But you're wrong with people horizontally. That doesn't work. Because the cross is not just with God. It's with one another. And that's what he's saying here. And notice, he said it, not me. And this is the love apostle. And he said, you're a liar. The love apostle said that about us. But he's trying to be honest and tell us the truth. We can't say we love God, whom we haven't seen, when we don't love our pe- people around us, our, the family God that we see every day. We're being dishonest with ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves because when God makes you right vertically, The horizontal relationships will get in line. When you love God with all your heart, you'll love others too. It goes together. And that's the question I want to throw out to you. You can't keep saying that you're right with God, but you're not right with others. It's not true. You know, the people that walk in love the most with other people, I know they have a great relationship with God because that's how it happens. When men, men and women of God, don't walk in love with one another, it screams volumes about your personal relationship with God. The people that walk in love the most are the people that have experienced the love of God the most. And so we got to ask ourselves this question and get honest with us today. We can't keep saying God, it's me and you. No. It's not just you and God. It's the family of God. And if we're right with God vertically, will we be right horizontally with these relationships? If we love God, we'll love others. If we know that God has forgiven us, guess what? We'll forgive others. If we're right with heaven, will we be right with people that are on the earth? It goes together. In the apostle, John says, and this is the commandment we have from him. That he who loves God must love his brother also. I don't know about you, but I want to be the most loving to the people closest to me, not just outsiders. Can we make that commitment? If I'm going to treat anybody with the love of God, it should be people in the house of God. If I'm going to walk in love with anybody, it should be people that are in the family of God. If I'm going to uh, treat somebody with kindness and forgiveness and treat them the right way, let's just not keep talking about the world Let's talk about people that are our brothers and sisters in the family of God. Because they'll know we're his disciples by our love for one another. The clearest reflection of our love for God is our love for others. Before we read this last verse, I want to tell you a story that Brother Hagen told. Brother Hagin told this story about the love of God and he said that he went to a church and he was preaching about the love of God and he says, if you hate your fellow brother and sister in Christ, the Bible says in the eyes of heaven, you're a murderer. It's the same to God. And he was saying also, Quoting from the gospels, he was talking about if you say you hate your brother and sister in Christ, not the world, that the love of God's not in you, so that means you're not saved. So he had the pastor's wife come to him at dinner that night and say, I hate my mother in law. No, I don't. I don't. It's not me, <laughs> somebody else. It was a woman, it wasn't me. So this pastor's wife said to Brother Hagin, pastor's wife, said to Brother Hagin, I hate my mother-in-law, so I guess I'm not saved. How can that be? And the mother-in-law was saved too, but there was a little tension there. Hello, somebody. Can't have two hens in the roost, right? Isn't that what they say? No, that's not what they say. Two cooks in the kitchen. One in the bush is... Okay. Let's just forget all those sayings that I tried to say. Two birds, one stone. Two queens in the hive. There we go. That's close enough. All right. I'll stop trying to make up stuff when I'm up here. Okay, I should have thought that out ahead of time. But that worked. Two queens in the hive. That's good. A little too much buzzing going on, okay? A little too much buzzing between each other. So anyways, pastor's wife said, I hate, not I dislike, I hate my mother-in-law. And she was concerned because she was like, that means I'm not saved. So Brother Hagan was talking to her, and he said, you don't hate your mother-in-law. And she goes, no, A little buzzing going on here. I hate my mother-in-law. Brother Hagan says, No, you don't. Because if you're saved, the love of God is already in you. And he said this He said, Every time you say you hate your mother in law, check on the inside. And you know when you say that, there's something that's bugging you on the inside. And so he told her, Say it again. She said, I hate my mother in law. And he goes, What happened? She said, well, every time I say that, something inside, which that's the spirit of God, was bugging me. Didn't feel right about it. She felt like she meant it, but what was that? That was the love of God. He said, it's not that you hate your mother-in-law. You don't hate her because you have the love of God. You just haven't chosen to yield to the love of God that's already in you. It's the same thing in here. You guys don't hate anybody because the love of God's in you. You think you do. But when you say you hate somebody, not just in the world, but in the church, you say, well, I don't love that person. I don't like that person. I'm not going to forgive that person. Even in the house of God, you know on the inside there's something bugging you. Now, what is that? It is the love of God reaching out to you. Because the love of God knows, no, that's not right. You don't hate anybody because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Now, your mind might say something different, but listen to your heart. And all of us need to think about that. Next time you say something like that, don't yield to hate. Yield to the love of God that's in your heart. And Brother Hagin said, the more you yield to the love of God that's already in you, the more you'll feel it. The more your mind will be renewed to it. And eventually, you'll really start loving Your mother-in-law, not you, other person, somebody far away from here. It was a girl. It It wasn't even a guy. Okay. So yielding to the love of God makes the love of God come alive in your heart in a new way. So he told her that, and you know what? She decided from then on. She's got to stop saying, I hate my mother-in-law, and start yielding to the love of God. It's already in you. And you know what? He said eventually that relationship was completely restored. They were going to each other's houses all the time, having food together, having parties together. And they had a great relationship for the rest of their life. But notice what he said. You've got to start yielding to the love of God that's in you before you feel like it. And eventually, your feelings will catch up to it. And that's what she did. And you know what? Eventually, she really started feeling like she loved her mother-in-law. Now, when she first said that, she didn't feel anything. She felt hate. But you know what? The love of God is more powerful than hate. The love of God is more powerful than your unforgiveness. The love of God is more powerful than you just disliking somebody in the house of God or the family of God. The love of God, if you yield to it, notice, it's not just going to be something you yield to in your heart, but eventually it's going to come out in your feelings and in your mind and it's going to change and you're really going to start loving them like the way that God has told us to love one another. But notice, with the love of God, we have to yield to it Before we feel like it, that's the key. So, for some of you in here that find this message challenging for some other fellow believers, start yielding to the love of God that's in you before you feel like it. Start yielding to that love that God has given you right now before you feel like it, because eventually, if you keep yielding to it, the feelings will come, your thinking will change. And you'll love one another like God has told you to. And notice, it won't just bring healing to that situation. It will bring healing to your life. And we all know in here, there is no way on earth you can be full of hate and bitterness and unforgiveness and live a healthy life. So realize, when you love others, it's not just for that other person. You're bringing healing and restoration and love on yourself. Because the love of God brings that kind of healing and restoration to us. I'm going to read the message translation of this. Did you guys get something today? 1 John 3, in verse 17. Now listen, this is the message. God is love. When we take up permanent resident in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way... Love has the run of the house, becomes a home and mature in us, so that we're free of any judgment on that day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is not really yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. Now listen to this in verse 20 message. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or his sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he cannot see? It says the command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You got to love them both. This whole message is a message not so much for outsiders, but those of you who are on the inside. This message was on my heart to deal with us before we deal with people that are outside of God. And sometimes we have to have messages like this to deal with our own house, deal with our own family. It's like a family talk. We got to deal with our own family issues before we try to help somebody else. So my heart is like never before that this church would be a church of love, be a church that's forgiving, be a church that's gracious with one another, fellow brothers and sisters, not harsh, that we would be a church that makes allowance for each other's faults because we love one another. And they would be known in this community, yeah, you know what, that church loves God, but they love one another like no other church I've seen because the love of God is in us. And you know what, when that happens, like we're going to talk about next week, the world will see that and say, "What well, you know what? I know that they're really disciples. I know that that church is, is real Christians. They really believe in God. They really love God. Why? Because of the way they treat each other. Because the love of God is in our heart. Can we pray for a moment? Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Close our eyes. Father, we thank you today for this word. We thank you that... We have been challenged by this, all of us in here, including myself. None of us are perfect in this. None of us have arrived when it comes to walking in that God kind of love with each other. But Father, we pray right now that that's our desire, that's our focus, that's our heart, that from this day forward, that this church would be known for love. We would be known for Making allowance for each other's faults. We would be known for, for not throwing people away when they mess up, but coming to their side, coming to their aid because it's family. And Father, we thank you today for this love series, that we're not just listening to another message, but it's doing something in our heart, that we're getting revelation of your love for us, that the God kind of love is helping us love one another. Father, we thank you for it today. Can we just lift our hands for a moment as we close? Father, we thank you today, right now, and you can say this in your own words. Father, I thank you for the love of God in me. I thank you for that love that's on the inside of me. I thank you I'm going to use that love towards one another. Thank you, Father. I'm going to use that love towards people, a part of the family of God. I thank you I'm going to yield to the love of God and not hate. Father, we just thank you for that. Come on, let's just thank Him for a moment. Thank Him for His love. Thank Him for His forgiveness. Thank Him for His mercy. Father, we thank You that when You made us right with heaven, You made us right with each other. And the love of God helps us, changes us, makes us different people. Father, we thank You for Your love towards us. Father, I thank You for that supernatural love growing and developing on the inside of all of us in here. That everybody in this house would be knit together, bonded together by love in a new way. That, Father, we would have each other's backs like never before. And that we would remember that it's family, that these are our brothers and sisters, and it's important that we love each other. And, Father, I thank you for these things. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for giving us revelation of your love for us. In Jesus' mighty name.